and thank you for joining us today. My name is Erica Kramer, Senior Living Engagement Advisor at Martin Brothers. We're glad to be spending time with you again today because we all know that the time you invest in self-development not only increases the trajectory of your success, but the success of those you lead as well. Just want to point out, first time saying trajectory correct. So, <laughs> round of applause, please, with my guest. Good oh, job, thank you. All right. Today, I have a repeat guest and a new guest joining us. Angie Dark is our Director of Marketing. She's joined in other discussions, so you're probably familiar with Angie. Hello, Angie. Hello. As well as another of our Martin Brothers teammates, Jen Minders. Jen is our Vice President of Merchandising, and she's been with Martin Brothers for how long, Jen? 24 years, Erica. 24 years. All right. We've got quite the Martin Brothers experience in this room. I'm 15. Angie, what are you at? I am going on eight. All right. Wowza. So um, just so our audience gets a quick understanding of who Jen is, uh, to me, Jen is someone who would definitely you would want to be stranded on an island with because instead of crying and worrying and wondering how we got stuck on the island, she'd be clapping her hands saying, okay, we need shelter, we need food, and we need water. You do this, you do that. <laughs> and I think that about sums her up. Um, mm -hmm. But I always start our podcast with a quick icebreaker as another way to get to know a little more than our guest title. So the question for today, well, it had to deal with food since we all work for a food distributor. Um, and if you've ever joined me live for education, I do a really bad job of reminding everyone that that's what we do. Um, so I can safely ask this because I know we three cook. Um, what is your kid's favorite thing that you cook for them? Well, Erica, um, so my kids are now in their late teens. Oh. I would say the standard answer for that for the first 15 years of their life was probably macaroni cheese and chicken nuggets. <laughs> but I think um, lately they're pretty impressed with my ability to order a takeout. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That, that is easy. Angie, is anything different from that? Well, I have a big gap in ages with my kids. So I have a six-year-old, I have a 12-year-old, and I have a 14-year-old. So their uh, taste is different for sure. Probably the thing that they can all agree on is when we do homemade pizzas at home, we get the ingredients and everyone gets to kind of contribute. That way my 14-year-old can make hers exactly as she mm. likes to do it. Oh, Landon will girl. sit by and watch us make the food <laughs> that he can eat. And Miles likes to help get his fingers sticky and put the cheese on everything, including the floor. So, That's a good one. Well, mine is uh, mac and cheese too, but uh, my kids think it's homemade, which when I say homemade, that includes... Velveeta cheese, milk, and butter. So a uh, <laughs> recipe my mom used to make for them growing up, and I can do too. But my daughter is in first grade, and she just brought home that. Here's here's a little bit about me, and she wrote, wrote homemade mackin, M-A-C-K-I-N. <laughs> so I'm guessing that was homemade mac and cheese. <laughs> All right, so moving on. Today, we're going to talk about getting creative during times of crisis. And I have a 92-year-old aunt, and she says that the last 18 months have been the worst times she's lived through. And that's coming from someone who was born right at the beginning of the Great Depression, lived through World War II and multiple wars, lived through 9-11, etc. And this pandemic is by far the worst times that she's lived in. I think that says a lot. And when we say it's the biggest struggle we've lived through, it's a legit statement that I think anyone listening, including our guests, will be able to agree with. So I don't like going somber. That 
took a turn down. Um, but let's add supply chain issues to everything else with this pandemic. It's broken, shattered really, and everyone listening may remember how we tried to joke off the fact that there was a toilet paper shortage, but we secretly were probably scared what would we use if there wasn't a package when we had to get, a, uh, uh, get it for ourselves. And do you guys remember when Sheryl Crow got just annihilated for saying we should only use one sheet of toilet paper? <laughs> remember that? I and do. everybody went off. How could she say that? Maybe she was just a fortune teller. Mm. Maybe she just knew we need to start saving our teepee now for, for a, a later time. Um, and we all remember how masks and sanitizers were hard to come by. But now some of the things we're seeing may not make total sense to us, um, to us who aren't working in the supply chain directly. And I'd say that logistics and supply chain, it definitely isn't a mindset we could all brag about having. Um, so, Jen, could you provide our listeners with an update to help gain a little bit of understanding for what is happening currently from beginning to end in the supply chain? Sure, I'd be happy to, Erica. Before I begin, it's important to remember and understand these challenges are not unique to food service. Supply chain is broken everywhere in every industry. To understand where we are today, you need to understand what happened. So when states began closing their restaurants, schools, shopping malls, everything, that halted demand. It did not halt the progress of supply. We, like many others, had hundreds of trucks headed into our facilities. Manufacturers had production and stock ready for just-in-time ordering. Mm -hmm. So warehouses became filled to capacity. There was not enough demand to pull the product through. Manufacturers and distributors had to make dis business decisions about labor and inventory. You can't produce and employ at the same levels when your consumer needs disappear overnight. Some items became in demand overnight, as you mentioned, like face masks and hand sanitizer, gloves and takeout containers, and the whole country shifted in a day or two. There was no way those suppliers could meet those changes. Most of the other items slowed down. We quit placing orders with suppliers. They quit ordering raw materials. They furloughed their workers, and the ripple effect went backwards through supply chain. Hmm. Then, with absolutely no warning, the states opened back up. So our customers didn't know what to expect, and they couldn't forecast. They didn't know who was going to come into their restaurant and eat or what changes they would have. And this happened nationwide mm -hmm. in a matter of a few weeks. Demand was back, and supply chain wasn't ready. So currently, there are five major four factors contributing to the supply chain challenge we, we still have today. I would say the biggest one that we all can understand is labor. Yeah. From yeah. beginning to end, labor is necessary to help supply chain move, and everybody is having labor issues at all different levels. Unforecasted demand is another challenge that our manufacturers, that we ourselves are faced with. We don't know what our consumers are going to need and when they're going to need it, so we're trying to anticipate that. But so are all of the manufacturers, but they're not going to manufacture product without the demand being there. And by the time the demand comes, it's too late. We're always going to be behind. Um, I think a lot of people we've talked over the years about freight and the challenges with that. Um, there's a lot in the media about ocean freight. A lot of the manufacturing ingredients and parts and things come from overseas, and there is 
unprecedented demand for ocean freight. Ocean freight used to be between three and $5,000 to get a container here in less than 30 days. And right now they're predicting it's going to be over $25,000 and could take up to six months. Mm. There are more ocean liners sitting in port than there ever have been. And there's just not the labor on the docks to actually get them unloaded in a timely fashion. And then when they do, there's a driver shortage Mm -hmm. nationwide, which is all parts of supply chain too, from points A to point Z. So freight and um, ocean freight are certainly causing a lot of problems. There are material shortages, somewhat related to labor, somewhat related to weather around the world that has caused some things. And then freight capacity is also causing material shortages. Our manufacturers need product from suppliers in order to make products, and sometimes they're not able to get the key ingredients they need. And additionally, behavior changes for our customers. That's the fifth major factor here is um, if you think about our K-12 switch to a lot of individually wrapped items and a lot of our restaurant customers switch to takeout and delivery. So there was a lot of changes and it's hard to anticipate what's going to stay from those changes and what's going to return to the way that it was. And all of that's leading to a very, very broken supply chain right now. And I do want to point out, isn't it true, too, that sometimes we think, um, well, how how are they out of this product? And, and it could be, let's say it's canned pickles. It might not be the pickles. It could be the tin that makes the lid for the jar. So is that correct? It, it's not necessarily shortage of the item you're wanting. It could be something that it's stored in or delivered in, correct? That's an absolutely great point. I mean, that truly is happening, especially with things that are made out of resin, like bottles um, and the lids that go on top of particular containers and stuff like that. A lot of it is packaging or the specific raw material that creates a lot of different items. Mm -hmm. I mean, and the other thing I didn't mention that I think we need to understand is pre-pandemic, the... um, the food service was split 50-50, approximately 50-50, between retail and food service. Mm -hmm. And when the pandemic hit, that switch went to 75% retail, 25% food service. And the manufacturers had to adapt to be able to change their lines in order to package more for retail to support Mm -hmm. that demand that they had. And it's not easy to switch that back, especially when a lot of the demand is unforecasted now and they're not knowing what to expect. And there's still uncertainty, right? I mean, I think Mm -hmm. people are still trying to figure out where the pandemic is at and where we're at in a lot of these states and what could potentially happen. So the cost incurred with making some of those changes might be prohibitive if they end up feeling that it could potentially reverse itself again. Um, There's just a lot of uncertainty, I feel. Well, our manufacturers had to adapt and make a lot of changes, not just in switching from retail to food service or the other way. They had to retool their lines so that they could socially distance workers. They had to spend a lot of money on the stuff to keep their workers safe. I mean, there was a lot of costs that went into that that slowed production down. Mm -hmm. I also want to point one thing out, too, with that just-in-time. That was the way that... um, uh, the all businesses were running, really. And can you just real briefly explain just in time just means we're going to order and get it the moment we need it. We're not going to keep a lot of stuff on our shelves waiting for us to have to produce this or manufacture it, correct? Well, yeah. So, I mean, all the way through, I mean, even with our customers today, they don't want stuff sitting on their shelves right. that they're not going to use. They want to order it right before they need it. 
we as a distributor tried to do that too. Our manufacturers do that. That doesn't do them any good having lots of floor stock sitting out there. But that whole model has changed through this. I mean, we're seeing our lead times where we used to be able to order between 7 and 14 days, changing from that to 35 to 45 to 60 with no notice. And obviously we're not sitting on 45 or 60 days worth Mm -hmm. of product. So, I mean, it's just one of the other things congesting. Mm -hmm. So I think the bottom line is if, if, uh, if you couldn't tell the supply chain is, it seems like maybe a simple process uh, when you look at it, a straight line, but, but really there's a lot to go into it in this pandemic literally went in and kicked everything around. So it's not a line anymore. It's like a roadmap going all, all over. So, um, hopefully if, if you guys were wondering, well, why can't I get this? Why can't I get that? That's going to give you some idea to help with that. And we don't see this changing any time soon, unfortunately, correct? Well, we hate to be the people that deliver bad news <laughs> continuously. <laughs> and I was going to touch on that a little bit later. But, yeah, I mean, the, the truth of the matter is, is I think all of us would like us this to get better. And we're all hoping it does. But if you really look at the complexity of supply chain and all of the things that aren't working right now, it's impossible to believe that it's going to be fixed anytime soon. And I guess I should rephrase that. It's not simple, the supply chain, but if you're the consumer, you think it is. Oh, it just goes from manufacturing to the warehouse to being distributed to me getting it. And it's uh, definitely a little different than that. So now we know a little bit about the supply chain issue, and I think that's why people can understand one of the many reasons I wanted to um, have Jen come in is I wanted people to hear from you today because of the creativity and the problem-solving skills that the merchandising team has exhibited throughout this crisis. Uh, Can you share from your perspective some character traits that the team possesses that have made you all unstoppable when these issues keep arriving and have arised? Erica, we spend a lot of time at Martin Brothers focusing on strengths, strengths of our individuals as well as strengths and how it applies to our teams. If you look at our team, we're pretty balanced, but we lean slightly higher on the strengths that favor execution. We're excellent problem solvers, and many on this team thrive under pressure. Also falling under our execution are people with high levels of responsibility and achievement. If you put those two things together in a crisis, you have a team that's super dedicated to our company's responsibility to provide products and solutions for our customers, and they're just not going to give up. Nice. All right. So what's your top strength, Jen? Um, My top strength is input, which is the ability to know lots of different things about lots of different things and helps me with my problem solving. Gotcha. And Angie, I think we share the same one, right? Strategy? Yep. I'm Mm -hmm. strategic too. I always joke with my manager, I have the best five strengths. It gets really annoying too. (laughs) But we all think (laughs) that. But we all think that, right. We all have the best five strengths. No, mine are the best. Uh, (laughs) I have input too. And you know, when you read, so we're talking about strength finders. If anyone out there listening hasn't done this, it it is, I mean, I love that stuff, but it is interesting. Um, It explained why I used to, uh, when growing up, would Uh, make sure I I would collect pens and then I'd collect stickers and then I I would collect a little bit of everything but not get obsessed with one thing and when I read that I was like oh that's that's why I'm I'm weird 
So you're not. <laughs> That's how I took the tray. All right. So we learned a little bit about, um, you know, what's been going on and why your traits have helped you guys. And considering the saying, crisis brings out the best and the worst in people, I think crisis can show you, um, you know, who's going to step up and who's going to step back. And clearly the merchandising team is rising to the occasion. But how is everyone maintaining an evil, even keel, a clear mind, you know, and you mentioned that desire to continue seeking solutions during these rough times, because really your team's been figuring out COVID-induced supply issues for, what, 18 months now? Mm -hmm. It's been, yeah, all of that for sure. I think looking back, um, few people thought we'd be in this position 18 months down the road. Um, we met as a team really frequently early on, multiple times a week, so we could learn from each other because I think that everybody was coming up with different kind of creative ways to do things. And when mm. we could find out what solutions were working for someone else or what they tried and it didn't work, um, that, was, that was really good for the collaboration for our team. During all of those meetings and still today, I would encourage the team to try and look forward, not back. There's a lot of, if only I knew I would have done this or when this is over. Mm -hmm. But that really doesn't help us get through today and prepare for tomorrow. Um, we're not alone in our challenges. Everyone, everywhere is impacted by the pandemic somehow, and we can only control so much. So we need to keep looking forward to what can I do today? What will make things better for tomorrow? We need to work together, learn from each other, lean on each other, and ask for help. I mean, I keep telling them over and over again, we have to control what you can. Take, Don't worry about the rest. Control what you can. Do today whatever it takes to make two weeks from now better than it is today. And that's just what we're trying to do every day to get through this. And if I could interject, just from the amount of time that we spend working with Jen's team, I would say... One thing that I've always been super impressed with in this last 18 well, two years, let's just let's just call it what it is. We'll round up. Is the attitude like that 20. they've had. I mean, calls that I've been on with them or when when we've had people who have been able to finally return to the office, they have always had a very good attitude. And I think that speaks a lot to A, the leadership, but also just the environment that they're they feel they're working in. They're very collaborative and their attitudes remain positive even amidst probably the most challenging situations they've ever had to be. And they have a lot of tenure. You have a staff that has been here for a lot of years. Collab I mean, when you put all their years together, it's phenomenal. Um, but they just have remained positive through all of it, which I think is a huge contributor to the success that you guys have had. And I really appreciate that, Angie. Thank you. Oh, you bet. <laughs> well, and, and I know um, many of our listeners are senior living and there's turnover, so it might be hard to have that team who's known each other forever and, and has that experience working together. Um, but I think collaboration, we'll talk about communication, but collaboration and making sure that we're sharing um, and, and getting together and having meetings that make sense because everyone listening does not have a lot of time. Um, so making sure when you're getting together with your team, it's worth it. You're collaborating for a reason. Yeah. Um, so we've watched as you and your team have continued to pivot, finding alternate and extremely unconventional solutions to the challenges um, facing our ever-involving industry. Uh, just so our audience can understand, your team has had to make on-the-fly adjustments, which have ultimately aided in everything from acquiring much-needed product to adjusting, at times, the way our product is delivered, um, even finding alternate products to help support our customers and 
and avoid disruption in their business. Now, what do you attribute the ability to do this to? I'd say the number one contributing factor is working for a family and employee-owned independent distributor. We're all owners, and we're empowered to make decisions that are in the best interests of our company and our customers, and we can make change happen now. We are able to move very quickly, and we have complete support of the organization to do what's needed. I'm lucky to have a team of people who thrive under pressure. We've Mm -hmm. kind of talked about that already. Mm -hmm. They're not afraid to speak up, and they've built strong relationships across our industry, and that has really made a big difference Mm -hmm. over this last year. Relationships, yes, that is important. Huge. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I think that is a good point, too, being able to make a decision and make change instead of having to run it through a bunch of people and making sure that that's okay, right? Mm-hmm. Um, trust. I mean, that's trust too. Yeah. So I think everyone gets the importance of communication. We talked about collaboration and I mentioned communication, um, but I'd say a lot of problems happen due to the lack of communication. But explain how communication has played a vital role in dealing with the challenges that we've faced. And by communication, I I guess I'm referring to all of the layers of organization, Um, not just communication with your team, but anything from our president and CEO of our company to our warehouse receivers and transportation team members. Um, How has that been working? Sure. I mean, I talked a little bit about how my team and I kept in communication in the beginning and how we Mm -hmm. helped each other. But from the very beginning, our president and COO put together regular communication for our employees. They wanted complete transparency in what was happening, how it affected our business, and what we were doing to keep moving our business forward. That communication continues today and is vital to making sure that we are taking care of our employee owners. It's easy to see how your specific department and position have been affected one way or another when business shifts, but we feel it's very important for all departments to understand why things have changed, how it affects all departments, and what we need to do together as a company to keep moving forward. One of the things I'm most proud of, though, is our communication with our sales force and our customers. Helping them understand the why behind the supply chain issues was very important to us. No one wants to deliver bad news. It's easier to sit back and hope that the rough patch will quickly pass. We felt like partnership, true partnership, is being transparent even when the message is hard, sharing what we know happened, how that affected us and them, and what we're doing about it now and how we'll see things in the future. And we're going to continue to do that until we get all the way through this, however long it takes. You know, some of the feedback that I've even heard from some of our customers and exchanges I've had, you know, on the limited scale that I have is, They appreciate that because of the ability they have to anticipate things now. Because of that transparency, they know some of the things. They didn't have a full understanding of the supply chain challenges. They thought, like most people at home, like, well, I can't get my shampoo because they're not making it or the driver can't get it. Well, that's not always the case. Um, And so helping to articulate that and explain where the challenges are coming from, how long they're expected to last, helps them prepare, helps, helps our customers say, okay, I know that there might be products that I can't get, how, you know, and how do I anticipate in those top items what things I might be able to do instead, or how might I adjust my menu knowing some of the things that are coming. And I think that relationship and honesty has really helped us as a company. Well, and, it's, and no one likes having difficult conversations, but that's basically all we've had to do. Um, and, you know, I think marketing, Angie, you've done a lot of communication, Um, So if you have any tips for how to break bad news eloquently. (laughs) 
to Jen's point, though, I think honesty, right? Yeah. And so find you have to find the balance of you don't want to invoke fear because it isn't everyone's in the same situation. We're not trying to say the sky is falling, but there are definitely challenges and they're existing all over the globe in every industry. You said it earlier. Every business is being impacted. How do we let them know truthfully where things are at without um, trying to, you know, sugarcoat it and have them believing something different than what reality really is? Because ultimately, if you don't bring honesty to the conversation, their expectations are going to be different. Mm -hmm. Um, And that hurts them and their business. It hurts the people they're serving. And it hurts us as a company. And so I've had to look at when we're doing our communication and mass scale to our customers, if I was a customer... Mm-hmm. I would want you to give me the truth. Now, don't scare me, but tell me the reality of the situation. And don't just give me, you know, my one of my former employee, well, employers had said, don't bring me just a problem. Bring me a potential solution. Mm-hmm. And so we are always trying with our communication to also share what can we do together? Here's what's happening. But what can we do together to try and make it a little easier for all of us Um, because we we ultimately want to be that partner in their business. And so presenting information in that way has, I think, helped us too. And wouldn't you say trying to do it in more of, um, oh, like you said, honesty, but not making it, well, this is my problem and and I need your sympathy because this is where we're at. That's that to me. I've I've been seeing that too, and it's well, like, and to not pass blame. Issues, you, know, you know, we're not going to blame yes. our manufacturers. It's not their fault. Yes. Um, ultimately, every layer of the supply chain is broken. Ultimately, there is every industry that you know. It's not one person's decision mm-hmm. that affected everything today. So for us to point a finger is ridiculous. Um, and so it makes more sense for us to give the full spectrum of what's happening and say everyone owns a portion of what is happening here and we want to try and make it better. So here's what we're going to do. So yes, mm-hmm. transparency without without passing the blame mm-hmm. and just being very honest with, with our partners. Well, and I know I've heard of many um, out-of-the-box ideas that has come from you and your team over the last couple of years to help Martin Brothers continue to best serve our customers. Um, Angie had been telling me one. That's what sparked our discussion on this. Could you share with everyone a story or two that illustrates a change um, that was made completely atypical in order to meet a need within our organization? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, the team did a lot of amazing things early on, and they continue to today. Um, we're we're having to think differently than we've ever thought before because it's just not your typical route of being able to get products. Um, I mean, we're sourcing things from places that we'd never considered before. Just, I mean, it, it's it's really it's really unusual time. But like I said, we're problem solvers, and we kind of like the challenge. So I'm smiling when I say I'm, I'm pretty impressed with the cre- the creativity that the teams come up with. I think one of the most creative things we did maybe last year was involving helping our K-12 schools. So in March 2020, of course, is when the pandemic hit and all of our schools had sent their kids home for spring break or wherever they were going for spring break. And then they never come back. They closed yeah. the schools and they thought it was going to be for a week or two. And then it ended up being for the rest <laughs> of the year. And possibly longer. But they had an obligation to continue feeding those kids. Um, and they didn't have a lot of labor. I mean, they didn't have people to be able to come in and package meals. And, and to be frank, I mean, 
they weren't used to buying individually wrapped items. They didn't need that. That's not what you use in K-12 cafeterias. Um, and our manufacturers couldn't shift fast enough. I mean, they can't just retool a line to start taking the item that they were packaging in bulk and wrap it up. They don't have the film for that. They don't have the you know right. cooking instructions and stuff. So we recognized that there was a problem, and, and we wanted to try and – be a source and solution for that because we had a lot of product. We, right. we <laughs> I mentioned earlier, I mean, the product didn't stop coming in. We mm-hmm. had the product. We just didn't have it in a usable format for them, and they didn't have the labor to go ahead and break it down. So I talked to a local repacker that's USDA inspected and asked him if I sent bulk products to him, would he repackage them in a single serving size, and would he put cooking instructions on there? I mean, you got to remember, we're feeding six six-year-olds, so, you know, up to 13 or, you know, 12th grade in there. And these are kids that maybe weren't used to having to heat their own meals up or cook their on their own. We certainly didn't want to send oven instructions home with a seven-year-old. <laughs> so <laughs> we came up, we worked with the manufacturers and came up with proper cooking instructions and we labeled each of these items and then he repacked them, sent them back to us and we sold these solutions to the schools. So we um, packaged up chicken strips and pizza and corn dogs and French toast and lots of other items and made it really easy for those schools to distribute this in a way that the kids then still had good instructions and were still getting their nutritious meals. Um, I'm I'm pretty proud of that idea. And it was so popular, actually, last year, even though the manufacturers have adapted, we had schools ask us to do it for them again. So we did it again this last summer. We um, actually, yes, we were, we've used that uh, for our school system. So it was very slick to have it packaged with how to, to do it. And everything was microwavable friendly, which I'm sure our babysitter appreciated and my husband some nights. <laughs> well, I also wanted to talk about self-care. Um, it's extremely important in this process. There's a Peloton instructor that professes self-care is not selfish, and I love that, and I, I think it's so true, and I think um, as leaders and, and when we're working, that's that's hard to remember. Um, you can't take care of an organization for the long haul if you aren't taking care of yourself. So, Jen, how do you practice self-care to, to help bring balance to your life, and how do you make sure your whole team is finding balance and you know, even bringing fun into the workday. And this is actually both of you guys. You both are, are leaders. Um, balance is important. All of us cared very deeply for the work we do and the effect this has had on our customers. We know the challenges they face day in and day out in their jobs and how the issues affecting our industry only add to their stress. It's hard at the end of the day not to take that home with you. Mm-hmm. Personally, I find taking five minutes breaks during the day just to get up and walk around. I talk and engage with others. It helps me find perspective to know what other departments are working on and the challenges that they're having. Um, In the evening, taking a walk. I love to read. So I read a lot to escape. All of these things help me take a mental break and get ready for the day. As far as fun goes, my team, I mean, we're a pretty close-knit group. Obviously, we all were working from home for a while. We're trying to get back in the office um, together as much as we can. So once a week, we meet as a full team. Um, We take a few minutes always to celebrate milestones because I think we got to remember the happy things. So whether it's somebody's birthday, a new baby, a work anniversary, Mm -hmm. you know, we try and recognize those in a a fun way just to remind people that we're people outside of the work that we have Mm -hmm. here. Um, and we're a team, we're family, and we're here to support each other. And I think that has to stay at the top of what we do every day. 
I like that we're people. We have to remember we're people outside of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Angie, what about marketing? What do you guys? Um, I, a lot like Jen. I mean, we are we're a close group. We've worked together for a long time. And when the team got sent home, I think that was probably the hardest. You know, we were all kind of working from our houses and trying to find a way to connect with team who are, you know, our team really likes to banter and stuff like that. And when you didn't have as much ability to just do that in passing as they would go throughout their day made it a little difficult. But just making sure that you're touching base with the team often. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, sometimes it would – there might be correspondence that I could just as easily message to one of my team members. I would just make that video call and check in. Hey, how are things going? And if I knew that something great was happening with someone on the team or they had done something or they've got a kid who's graduating, making sure that that information is getting passed to other departments. Because the other thing, it wasn't just the team being isolated from one another in our department. They weren't experiencing any interaction with other departments, hardly at all, other than our sales team. And so, you know, maybe a a Joe O'Brien would contact our VP of healthcare. Maybe he would contact someone within our team um, to congratulate them on something or ask how things are going or just check in and say, hey, or show up to one of our team calls um, just to pop in and say hey to everybody. Finding ways to engage them that way or and paying attention to to cues. Mm -hmm. If we would be on a call and someone was really quiet, making sure that I'd touch base um, afterwards. Just say, hey, I wanted to check in. You seemed quiet. Is everything okay? Um, And so and reminding them, you know, if I knew that someone had a long week, I would make sure on a Friday to call them and say, hey, I have a prescription for you this weekend. I just want you to detox and enjoy the time with your family or don't think about work. I just want you to be in at one with, you know, find something you can do for just you. And so making sure that you're in tune to the things that are happening. And now that we're slowly coming back to the office and doing things, just paying attention to what's happening around us and making sure that the team is able to find ways to be together, support one another, and have other departments be a part of that. Did you guys take your own advice and detox on the weekends? Be honest. Some weekends, (laughs) yeah. I mean, I think part of it is being here to support a team. You, you, ha- you have to work outside of those windows, right, to get some of the doing done. Angie nailed it on the head. I mean, taking care of our employees was really important for this. And sometimes it wasn't like, here's the checklist, what have you done? It's like, how are you? Mm-hmm. Are you doing okay? Do you have what you need at home? Do you feel safe? Do you have the things? Are, are you, I mean, are you okay? I mean, mm-hmm. and sometimes those conversations were as or more important than some of the things we were trying to do just to make sure that they all knew that they had our support, right? But so, I mean, yes, yes, I, I, we, I do try and take time on the weekends. It might not be the whole weekend, and, but... And I would say for me, it, like, it may not be on a weekend, right? Like, if we're working on something that's we have to have ready by at the beginning of a week, maybe the weekend's going to require a little bit more of my time, but then maybe on a Monday at the end of that day, since we had something big that came in, I take that night and just do nothing. The kids and I hog pile into the into the other room and we watch a movie with popcorn and do something fun or we go for a drive and get ice cream. You know, things mm-hmm. that allow for me my kids are still young, so spending that time with them is really where I decompress. That's Mm -hmm. my happy place. And I like to read too, but right now for me, I just feel like when I'm with them, they bring me out of 
everything else that's pressing at work just kind of evaporates when I'm in the space with them. And so finding time to do that and making time to do that Mm -hmm. um, has been important. But my kids are really good because they're young. They're good at reminding me Mm -hmm. if I'm not getting there. Mommy, when are we going to go for ice cream again? Or when are we going to go do this again? And that's my reminder. Like, hey, flags up. You've got to make time for you by making time for your kids because it it does work both ways. Mm -hmm. My kids jump in the car and go get their own ice cream. I know. That makes me sad. So I'll send them to Jen's house (laughs) (laughs) to make sure that she gets her time too. (laughs) You should go to see Jen. She would love to get ice cream with you. Well, Jen, I think we've picked your brain enough for one day. Um, I do have one last question. What advice would you give to those who are laying it all on the line every day, juggling multiple balls in the air and trying to hold it together? It's been a long couple of years, and many are reaching burnout if they haven't already. Yeah, I mean, I understand that. I think it's different for everyone in how they deal with stress. For me, it's reminding myself that I'm not alone in this. Reminding myself that everybody has been affected by this in one way or another and finding ways to look at what did go well today. I'm just trying to focus on that positive. I truly believe that your attitude determines your outcome. So to be honest, there have been more than a couple days that it was really hard to be positive and to see the good in things. I mean, I think everybody can kind of relate to that. But each day I try to remind myself of the things that I can control. And there are many, many, many things that I cannot control right now. But I know that I can control my attitude and the perspective that I have on these. And I try and remind myself of that every day. And that usually turns me around when things are getting tough. So... That's a positive to end on. It absolutely is. Great advice. Yep. Well, I want to thank you for your time today, Jen. I think Angie and I, as well as our listeners, can agree we've learned about the supply chain. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we can be a little bit more understanding as we continue to see supply issues in the world. Um, We've also learned some tips on working with your team to be creative and what it takes to deliver results. We really appreciate having you join us during inarguably a time when you and your team literally have no free time. So, <laughs> so thank you, Jen. Well, thank for your, you for having your time. I really today. enjoyed this. So, also thank you to everyone listening for your time as well. We look forward to having you join us again because we all know the time you invest in self development not only increases the trajectory of your success, but the success of those you lead as well. Said it three times today. So that's a positive. Yep, we better end the day and go home. Everyone have a great day. Thank you and see you again. Bye.